Hey, Charlie. 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 Uh, why don't we pray together before we come to God's word, eh? Jesus, uh, we thank you for who you are, that you are the Savior who has come into the world. Lord, as we walk through this season of Advent this year, would you lift our eyes to you? Would you broaden our view of the glory of our God? Deepen our understanding of what exactly it was that happened when God himself came down to us. And Lord, fill us with a wonder of you, at your glory that longs to share the glory with others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, as I just prayed, uh, this week we're starting in our Advent series for 2023. Um, at Advent, we prepare, uh, we prepare Christmas decorations, uh, which, which JC has done lovely, uh, beautifully for us, by the way. Uh, we prepare our gifts for others. Uh, some of us are already prepared with our gifts for others. There's two types. You know, there's the one who is getting ready on the week before Christmas and the one who is already right now. Um, and there's no in-between ground as far as I can tell. Uh, we prepare carol services. We prepare street parades. Uh, but there are more in preparations by f important preparations by far. Are we prepared... Are we prepared for who the baby is that we celebrate at Christmas? Uh, that song that we sung today, What Child Is This? Uh, being real honest here, it's one of my least favourite tunes of A Christmas Carol and some of my most favourite words. Um, I just think it captures that so well. That, that, uh, the thing we celebrate at Christmas is so wild. Like, what child is this who laid to rest on... Mary's lap is sleeping, you know, he's, he's, just a, he's just a baby on a mum's lap in a stable, it's so humble and low, and this, this is Christ the King. You know, wait, whoa. Uh, now, now, you might be a believer in Jesus, many of us here are believers in Jesus, you might not as well, but even if you've trusted in Jesus, um, sometimes we forget, sometimes we lose sight of the earth-shattering significance of what happened when the baby was born in Bethlehem. Of, of the, we lose the awe, not the awe, oh, the awe. What happened at Bethlehem that dark night over 2,000 years ago was not just cute. And it was not just a thing of serious personal religious significance, though it may be that for you as well. What happened in Bethlehem that night was the coming into the world of God's answer to the greatest needs and fears of humanity. Really, it was the coming into the world of the solution to all things that were wrong in this world. But there were so many needs, so many fears that we faced. How in the face of the rank injustice of God's people and of an unjust world as a whole, could God bring about justice? How in the face of the darkness and evil dwelling in both Israel and the nations, how could God bring about light in the darkness? 
How in the face of the rebellion of God's people and in the rebellion of the entirety of humanity, could God bring about obedience? How could God deal with the selfishness that lives deep in the heart of every human being? You and me, poisoning every part of the good world that God had made. And the answer is that he sent a man into the world who would bring justice, light, obedience and sacrifice. And so this Advent, we want to really dig into the truth of the identity of the man, Jesus. As as it was foreseen, specifically this year, we're going to look at it as it's foreseen 700 years beforehand by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah records four passages within his prophecy. Incidentally, all of his prophecy looks forward to Jesus, but we're going to focus in four places this year. They're often referred to as the servant songs. They are passages that look forward with wonder and anticipation to the coming of this child, this man who would be the only one who could make it right, who could bring justice to an unjust world, the only one who would bring light into this dark world that we live in, who would bring obedience into this rebellious world, who would be the sacrifice for a world consumed in selfishness. So today we're in the, we're in the first one of those where we will find out that God's chosen servant will bring justice into this unjust world. Um, I think we all actually long for justice. This wouldn't be the first time we've discussed this as a church. Uh, we all have this inherent desire that, that justice would be done. You know, particularly if someone kicks you in the shin, you get the desire that justice would be done. But when we encounter the truth of suffering for millions who are starving unjustly, who just, just, just with no reason except for that other people are selfish, we long for justice when we encounter those who are imprisoned and trafficked by other human beings, we long for justice. But we all deeply know somewhere down in here that we ourselves need mercy. We need mercy from justice. Now, this isn't a new experience. Uh, When Isaiah wrote, he was writing in the midst of Israel, like I said, around the year 700 BC-ish. They they would have been a mix of very similar desires. In fact, we can tell that in the Old Testament. On one hand, they were oppressed. They were downtrodden by great powers in the world. We don't know exactly exactly the year when this was written, but like I said, round about 700 BC is where most scholars think that Isaiah wrote this bit. At almost exactly the same time, 701 BC, the Assyrian Empire made an attempt to invade and occupy Judah. Made it all the way up to Jerusalem before God delivered them. Surrounded. And yet... On the other hand, the people of Israel had received message after message after message from the prophets to warn them not just that they would be on the receiving end of injustice, but that their injustices had not gone unnoticed by God. 
In Ezekiel 5, God says that Israel had become worse than all of the nations surrounding her. The idol-worshipping, child-sacrificing nations surrounding them. And God says, you have become worse than them. Three times, three times in this song, if we can move into the song that we're looking at today, Isaiah 42, 1 to 9. Three times, Isaiah states that the servant of the Lord will bring justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. We do, we long for there to be justice in the world and we fear that it would fall on us. And God has appointed a man who embodies and brings justice, Jesus. Isn't that so full of hope and so full of fear? That Jesus is the man of justice. Because everyone knows that the world needs justice. Everyone knows that this world needs one to bring an end to murder and to genocide and to oppression and end to abuse. And so this is good news, isn't it? In, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the just judge of the earth. That's who we celebrate at Christmas. Rejoice, right? He's going to do away with wrongdoing. Isn't that good? And yet, there's a part of us that goes, maybe not. <laughs> it fills us with fear because if, if we're honest, our lives demonstrate that he should judge me. He should judge us. All have sinned, the Bible says. All fall short. Not one is perfect. And this is where we kind of need to start looking a little bit harder at the servant song. Because although Jesus in his justice is the judge of the whole earth, we find here that his justice means more, though not less than that. Isaiah says these confusing words. He says, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly smoldering or a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. One author summarized what this meant really well. He said, The answer to the proud of the world is not more pride, but grace that raises the humble and the fallen. You see, when Jesus came, there were those who expected him to immediately judge and to destroy. Who expected the story of that first Christmas to be the story of the coming of a conqueror, the birth of the ultimate oppressor of the enemies of Israel and the ultimate friend of Israel. But in the Gospels, so often... We see Jesus reaching out in grace to raise up the lowly and the needy. In Matthew 12, um, Matthew quotes from this song. He quotes these verses from this song. And uh, immediately beforehand, we see the heart of Jesus, the just, in action. 
we get this story about Jesus. Jesus is in a synagogue on the Sabbath day. And, and surrounding him are religious leaders. Like if you read the passage and then close your eyes and picture it, what I get is Jesus standing in the middle of the room and like all these people glaring at him. And, and Matthew says they are looking for a way to accuse him of doing work on the Sabbath and so of breaking God's law. And maybe even by their design, there's a man there who has this debilitating physical condition. His hand is withered. It doesn't work. It can't open. It's, 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 a, it's there, but... For them, this guy's a trap. That's what he exists to be for them. But Jesus looks at this bruised reed of a guy, this faintly burning wick. And he doesn't, he doesn't put it out. He calls out the hypocrisy and the religious leaders. And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. And, and he restores this poor broken man. It's... It, what happens there is definitely a part of the picture of why the religious leaders would eventually crucify Jesus. And yet Jesus heals this guy, knowing that, knowing that this is part of what's going to lead to his death. Jesus heals him. He has mercy on him, even at great cost to himself. And that's the picture we get of Jesus again and again and again. He brings the mercy of God to the lowest and to the least. And not just healing, the just judge brings God's forgiveness to sinners. To anyone who trusts in him, he offers forgiveness. No matter how far they've fallen, no matter what direction they have fallen in, no matter their failings, he calls all to trust in him and to be saved. In the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus tells the story of a family with, with one righteous father who is good and right, who represents God, and, and two rebellious sons. One who rebels by sinning and running away, one who rebels through self-righteousness and independence from his father in that way. And what's clear by the end is that both are in need of God's mercy and God's mercy is offered to both. You know, maybe, maybe as we come towards Christmas, you're kind of in the bruised reed or faintly burning wick place in your life. You know, I find the image powerful, isn't it? Like, like a candle just on the verge of going out, just on the verge of giving up. So crushed by your life, so crushed by your own brokenness and by the brokenness of others, by the suffering you've gone through or the sin that you've committed. Maybe, maybe you've run to a point in your life where you know you need you you've dug the hole so deep you know that digging's not going to help you can't dig yourself out of this one but you're so low that you don't feel that anyone 
would or could it ever help you? By God's grace, it is only by God's grace that any of us ever get to that point. Hear what the Bible says. Hear the Christmas story today. He comes for the lowly. He makes himself low for the lowly. He comes for those who have nothing to give. He gave up everything to bring them back. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. Jesus doesn't want to put you out. God's not looking at you just waiting for the opportunity to squash you. He longs to raise you up. God does not desire that you would fall. He longs to come alongside you and lift you. You can come to him today. But there's a tension here, isn't there? Did you see it? That Jesus is the just judge of the earth. Right? Summary, summary of where we've been so far. Jesus is the just judge of the earth. That remains true. Jesus comes to bring mercy and forgiveness to the lost. That remains true. How can the mercy and the justice of God coexist? How can they coexist in one man? In Isaiah, we see the answer in seed form. God speaks to the servant, to Jesus, and says, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. A covenant is more than a pick-you-up. It's more than a clean slate. A covenant is a committed, established, and in this case, unbreaking relationship. On the night before he died, knowing his death was coming, Jesus took a cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The cross of Jesus is where the mercy of God and the justice of God meet perfectly. It, it's an easy but massive misunderstanding of the Christian faith to think that when God is merciful, it's him just not paying attention to our sin. It's him saying, you know what, although I am just, because I am so loving, I will set my justice aside and have mercy on you. That's not the good news. It can't be the good news because setting aside justice has a name, injustice. And God is not an unjust judge. But at the cross, God's justice and mercy met perfectly because at the cross of Jesus, the justice demanded by our sin was poured out upon him, on Jesus, so that sinners could receive mercy. Jesus didn't ignore the justice of God. He mercifully fulfilled the justice of God on our behalf. You might have heard that a thousand times, but shouldn't that still take our breath away? All of the justice that I deserved poured on me was poured on him. And so I'm free. Our substitute 
so that sinners like me could enter into relationship, into covenant with God. The servant of the Lord, the saviour on the cross, the child that we celebrate at Christmas, brings justice to the unjust world in a way that invites in the broken and the needy. So let me leave us with these two points, two little notes of application today. Advent is a season of invitation to come. Receive the mercy of God. Maybe maybe this is the first time that you have really understood the mercy of God. Maybe not. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years and today you are just convicted by the need for to throw yourself on him for his mercy. We don't cease to need God's mercy, ever. The just judge of the earth paid the price for your sin. Cast yourself on him and know that his mercy is for you. Second, this is a season to share the invitation to receive God's mercy. As you go about your life, as you go about your day-to-day, consider how you might share with others the good news of Christmas, both those who know him and those who don't. It's good news for everyone. The good news that Jesus came into the world to bring mercy and justice. He came to invite the unjust into just, merciful relationship with God. Would you pray with me now? God, I'm acutely aware of my own need for you. I am a sinner. I am one who needs the grace of God, the mercy of Jesus, the sacrifice of the cross. And so, Lord, I rejoice and we rejoice as a people in the good news of Christmas. That one came down to bring justice. That you came, Jesus, to be just and yet to free us through the justice of the cross. By being our substitute. By taking our sin and all of its wages, all of its death, you have freed us. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people who are just filled with the joy of the justice of our God expressed in mercy towards us. We thank you for your blood, Jesus. For your body given for us. For bringing us into covenant with God. Into relationship with the Father. Lord, fill us this Advent season with a closeness with you. And with a desire to give that joy to others. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.